Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, or 88. Right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You are with Lyle and... Minnie. Minnie, how are you this morning? I'm feeling good. It, I, I was saying it took me quite a while to uh, wake up to my alarm clock, but once I was up, good. <laughs> you, need a, you need a new alarm clock. Oh, Yours is too pleasant. <laughs> you need a less pleasant alarm clock. I you need an so unpleasant. <laughs> You're going to have to loan me your phone later. I'm going to find an alarm clock for the you on your phone. The worst sounding. <laughs> yes, I'm going to find an unpleasant sound, one that is grating. I think uh, fingernails on chalkboards might work. You know that. You know what sound, sound I actually – it's disgusting. You know when you have paper? Just, yes. just normal paper in a drawer, uh-huh. and you slide it out, and you hear the paper hit the. I can't deal with it. I just hate it. You slide it out and hit the paper. It's hit just, like the paper just hits. It just runs against that that wood. I just. It's just a soft sound, and I hate it. I get goosebumps. It's vile. Like 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 this. No. I can't hear anything. Yeah. I hate it. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Uh, I officially concluded that Minnie is built backwards. <laughs> Yeah, look. Most people, it's fingernails on chalkboards. With mini, it's paper on wood. <laughs> okay. Anyway, how are you feeling this morning? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just thankful that I get here to uh, sit here and, <laughs> and, and, and try and figure out how weird mini is. <laughs> look, I'll take that. <laughs> it's so much fun every morning. I get to come here and uh, hang out and, yeah... Um, do the radio and it, I'm just thankful for it it's just oh that's good but yeah as for me this morning I'm blessed God is God is good God mm. is God is still on his throne he still rules in heaven he rules on earth he rules in my heart so what have I got to complain about you're listening to the breakfast Joe podcast on faith FM positively different right now Minnie's going to bring us some positively different news go for it Minnie okay so in England there was a large um, variety of butterflies known as Large blue butterflies because they're large and blue. Um, and in 1979, they were very, officially very, very, very creative naming. <laughs> large it? blue butterflies. <laughs> I know. It's just anyway. I don't know what the scientific name was for them. I was like, no, that's too hard for me to pronounce. Yeah, they, they could have oh, come yeah. up with something better than <laughs> large blue anything. butterflies. I was like, yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe they're like walking out with a kid or something, and the kid is like, hey, look, it's large and blue. I don't know. Now kids are more creative than that. Anyway. In 1979, they were officially declared extinct, but now they have 750 little creatures that are emerging from their cocoons. That's cool. Mm. So it was due due to some pretty diligent work by um, some conservation centres and private donors. Um, And, you know, like often when we look at animals which are – in that, like, let's look after them. They're the big ones, you know. They're the elephants or the pandas yeah, and or the, the and tigers the, and, the, and the warm, fuzzy ones. Yeah, <laughs> the warm, fluffy ones. They're the ones that we spend our money on to preserve. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, these guys just worked really hard. Obviously, there were some. They couldn't have been completely extinct. Um, but yeah. well, maybe they found some. Yeah, yeah. Well, that could after be. after they went extinct, or maybe they found some eggs. Yep. Yep. And so they have, yeah, just been working hard. They now um, have found that some of the eggs have been laid in the wild, so they're going. So, yeah, at the moment there's about 750 of them. Um, and what I love about this, though, this is also also classic case of all nature gives and takes because not only did they have to protect the butterflies, but they also had to – well, I've got my little notes and I've lost where I was reading. Um, they also have to organise protection for wild thyme and red ants because they're both integral parts of the butterfly's life. So wild 
time. Oh, okay. Time, time as the, in the herb. T-H- Oh, yes. Y- <laughs> y- <laughs> I'm like, wild time, wild time. Okay, okay. so I've got some, going to have some, a portion of my day set aside for wild time. Uh, and a butterfly has to have, you know, let, just let, let loose and break free every now and then. <laughs> okay, all right. Mom, I'm going along with that. I've, I've never seen. I never really, really pictured a butterfly having a wild time. You know, let's yeah, go yeah. partying, <laughs> butterfly partying, and yeah. So yes, yes. T h y m e. Yeah, because they eat thyme and marjoram, the herbs, their primary food sources. And red ants work to protect the caterpillars from danger. Um, and it's slowly. It's a program that's slowly been building over the years. They want to increase it further. But I just thought that was really cool. So red ants in England, in the UK, yeah. are they nasty ants? Do we I know don't this? Know. Because, you know, nasty ants are, you know, I find nasty ants in my yard, they usually die. They usually die. <laughs> it's like, I don't want you living in my yard. Go and live in the bush somewhere else where you're not <laughs> going to bother me. Anywhere else, yeah. Anywhere but my yard. So if red ants were sort of like, you know, red stinging ants, then mm. you could kind of see why people would go after red ants yeah. and then and why wipe, out the, wipe out the butterflies at the same time without <laughs> yeah. even thinking about it. Amazing. But it is interesting how intricately things are connected that we don't necessarily realise. Why is it that the red ants protect these things, I wonder? I don't know. What's their motivation for that? It's pretty cool, though. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm in a cocoon and I can't do anything and I've turned into mush for a couple of months while I yeah. then come back as a butterfly. And But that's okay because I've got red ants protecting me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Maybe they eat the bugs around. I don't know. Nature is just wild. I know. Incredible. Yes. And that's it's just amazing. the things we don't necessarily think of. I do love stories about uh, creatures that come back from extinction. Yeah, no, it's your I way. would love to see. I would love to see modern technology bring extinct creatures back into existence. Mm-hmm. You know, do the whole uh, um, you know DNA thing and just sort of bring something back that's been you know like the thylacine down in Tasmania, the Tasmanian tiger. Something. I was like just saying, that. I don't even know what that is, but yeah, okay. Tasmanian no, tiger. It'd, be, it'd be super cool, wouldn't it? Wouldn't yeah, it just absolutely. be like just like okay, we've got plenty of DNA. Mm-hmm. Let's make one. Let's, let's do something with it. Let's make one. <laughs> but would it, would it be the same? Well, it has to be the same because the DNA code doesn't oh, yeah, change. True, true, true. true. Yeah. Mm. That would be cool. It would be very cool. I reckon if we, if we just brought all back the back all the extinct extinct things. I can't even speak this morning. <laughs> um, we would we might we might struggle with it though. Like if all the extinct creatures we could suddenly bring back, I think it would change a lot in our ecosystem. There's some things that I think we can live without. Mm. You know, T-Rex we can live without him. <laughs> yeah. Uh Etc. Absolutely. So this next story, it's um, it's anyway, Tim Tebow. I don't know. I think that's yeah, pronounced him. Basically, just recently, um, his family has been working to fight against human trafficking for the last little while. It's been on the download, but they've just recently gone up on social media saying this is what we're doing. Um, I don't know if you've seen much of it, but this is something that's been around for years and yet just recently this it just seems to have exploded like the people going this is happening this is unacceptable which I, I totally agree um, but I deactivated my social media for quite a while and then I got back just on my semester break and I was just overwhelmed by how much negative news there was like it almost doesn't matter what the topic was it was everyone just being like this is bad these people are wrong you're wrong all the things and I was like oh okay <laughs> everybody's oh, just at each other's throats right yeah now, right just now. crazy and so again this is a topic that has been popping up a lot and I don't I actually think it's really important that there is awareness about you know, the issues. The problem is often it is just negative news. So what I appreciated about this guy putting up on social media, he's like, hey, this is something we've been doing. We're trying to free people from um, this lifestyle. You know, it goes into that. And he just kind of makes these three points. He says, 
We've got a three-step plan. We are proactive. We want to build strong families. We are reactive. We want to bring them into a safe place and we're committed. Um, we want to, we want them to experience a loving home and be able to go. Um, and he basically says the greatest rescue mission is what Jesus did on the cross. And so this is his whole movement. And I heard a quote a little while ago, but it's actually been really relevant for me this year. I think it was by a rabbi. I don't actually know. I've lost, I've lost it. And he says, um, do not be, do not be daunted by the enormity of the world's grief. Do justly now. Love mercy now. Walk humbly now. Your job is not to um, is not to basically save everyone. Um, you, what is it? Your job is not to finish the work, but you're also not free to remove yourself from it. Yes. And so what I love about this is they're going, hey, no, we can't do everything. Yes, it's a problem, but it's still a message of hope in it. And that is a, I just haven't seen that message of hope because I'm like, what can I do? How can I be productive? And everything I've seen is just like, nah, just bad, bad, bad. And so I was like, ah, yes. And that's what Jesus was about, right? He didn't fix everything in his time and place, but he definitely changed so much. He fixed what was it, what what was in front of him. Absolutely. And what he had access to. Yeah. And uh, and that's what, you know, that was the example he set for us. He could have fixed everything, but if he had have done, that would not be an example for us. Mm-hmm. Jesus came to be our example here on this earth. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Joining us on the phone this morning is David Haupt uh, to talk about emotional health. David, welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning to your listeners. David, what are we what are we addressing this morning? You come out here on a, on a weekly basis to uh, to talk about emotional health and you know other areas of our lives. Um, what are we talking about this morning? Let's focus a little bit on the mood disorder called depression. Wonderful. Uh, this is really topical and important. It's very. Uh, it's affecting one out of five people at the moment in in our communities. Yeah, those are big and, numbers. Yeah, and it affects our economy. It affects the hours of productivity in the workplace. It affects families. It just affects every sphere of of our community life. How hard does it hit our economy? Well. Uh, People that have severe or called major depression often would um, lose work hours. In other words, unable to face the workday. Uh, people want to turn in, don't want to get up out of bed, just want to turn around and hopefully sleep their depressed state off. Uh, it doesn't happen, actually. Um, it becomes counterintuitive for people that are deeply depressed. They actually will find that they will feel much better if they force themselves to get up and face the world. But that's not where they are at. That's not where they feel, you know, to go. Right. So uh, if somebody is in that position where they are, I guess, you know, just want to be in bed, 20 hours out of the day how do how do where where does a person like that start well you know what we sometimes hear of people that come to our programs that will spend 23 hours out of 24 hours of the day in bed Mm. or or in a dark room unable to face the world out there Um, in other words they even get to the point where in severe cases where they stop caring for themselves and um, we've already in previous uh, presentations spoke about the importance of 
bright light. In other words, getting out in the sunlight, you'll you'll notice that major depression often people's um, their curtains are closed. Mm. They they do not want to face the world. They do not want to move. In spite of what Professor John Ruthie, who's a professor of psychiatry, says that the the best antidote, the best medication you can start off with, is on an exercise program. Mm. And it sounds like an exercise program that is outside, walking up the up and down the beach, or uh, you know, in a park or something or other like that. It's interesting that the first uh, nine, ten days you will feel no change, but it is once they go beyond that that they start to experience the benefits. But at the same time, I think it's important that we understand that there are different kinds of of depression that we need to take into consideration. Um, if you don't mind, if I just jump ahead with that. Sure. So when when we deal with what is commonly called sad or seasonal effect disorder, which is often referred to as the winter depression, which basically refers to the lack of sunlight on our skin and in our face um, in the northern hemisphere, where especially on the polar regions where people have very limited sunlight during winter months, you will find that they actually built in light boxes. You know, like the old telephone boxes that we had many years ago, where you can go in, make a phone call. They've got those boxes with a bright light that simulates the sunlight. And 30 minutes just sitting there reading the newspaper actually will give them that boost that they require in order to overcome the seasonal effect disorder. That's uh, another one is the senior, which is a very low-grade depressed state. And sometimes people just think that that is very normal. That's just the way that I am. But that is not the truth. Seasonal, the, the, uh, uh, sorry, um, the senior often carries over a long period of time, two years that people are just feeling under the weather. And then exogenous or reactive or situational depression, which is the press state after major crisis that has hit you. You just don't have the ability to overcome that. And I'm just looking at our current situation where Australia has been affected by severe drought. What followed that? Fires. And what follows that at the moment? major flooding that's taking place and we we've just been warned about you know a new uh, system weather system coming in and the, that will affect the east coast um, of new south wales and and um, queensland so once you've been hit by multiple crises in your life and unable to stand up or do not have the resilience to work through that often exogenous depression will set in. What about, um, um, David, if I could just ask, you mentioned a number of crises there. What about the coronavirus? Um, in China, is, I could imagine that would, would, would be causing this, you know, would, it, would, would depression from that extend as far as Australia just because we're afraid of it, even though we're not being impacted by it? You referred to that the coronavirus only in China. It actually is in our living room. It's right there on our TV, and we're bombarded every time that we watch the news. We are confronted and catapulted into that environment, which often leaven people with a with a notion that there's no way out. 
and therefore they feel trapped and therefore can lead to a depressed state. So, yeah, we, we are through our, our modern technology, we are catapulted right into the trauma zone as if we're experiencing it firsthand. Now, on top of that is a, a major mood disorder, which is called bipolar disorder. I'm not going to talk about that during, because it is really a category of, of its own where there's two poles. We normally refer to depression as, as a uh, one pole, in other words, just a deep down state where, where bipolar has a high high as well as a very deep low. And the most dangerous of the depression types, therefore, becomes the major or clinical depression, which uh, one out of five people at the moment uh, in the world, 300 million people, I think, was the last figure that I heard is suffering with. And I'd like to suggest that our statistics is not 100% because women predominantly display the depressed state through emotional outbursts and crying, therefore, get help. But male predominantly experience emptiness. And the typical male way of dealing with things is that we withdraw or we self-medicate with, can you help me with what? Alcohol. With alcohol, which is not an antidepressant. It actually is a depressant. In other words, it lifts the mood temporarily. But as it withdraws out of my system, it actually drops me further down. We do a, a self-medication and alcohol is the number one thing that we use, hmm. which therefore increases the problem and therefore increases the complexity because it often brings about that we push away the people that we mostly need for our recovery, in other words, our family. Do you think we need to have warnings on alcohol uh, beverages, something maybe similar to what we have on cigarettes that say that, that let people know that this is a depressant? Because I would imagine that most people would not think of alcohol as being a depressant. Because I take it uh, in order to feel better. Yeah, exactly. And, and what it doesn't tell us is where it leads me to. So in order to, to, to feel good about myself again, I now need to take more and more frequently and that eventually increases the dependency uh, of, of, of the drug and mm -hmm. I call it the drug mm -hmm. oh it is yeah, it's a mind altering drug for sure right so we've got a bit of a uh that's, a, that's an interesting perspective on a, on, a, on a broad range of different kinds of depression. Um, now, we're going to be talking about this over the next three weeks. Are we going to be dealing with the different kinds of depression uh, separately or are we going to work on them together? I think the, the primary area where we need to focus is on major depression. Seasonal affect disorder is uh, very easy to, to deal with. Uh, don't slip, slop, it slap. Uh, early morning, bright sunlight. In other words, go and have your breakfast outside. Roll up your sleeves. Make sure that you get bright light into your face, onto your skin. Um, our marketing campaign uh, against skin cancer has been so effective that uh, we are actually uh, vitamin D deficient as as a population. So we've, 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 we've <coughs> excuse me, we've replaced skin skin cancer with um, 
with rickets and depression. That's right. And uh, I, I'm not trying to to push down the uh, the importance of the work that's done against skin cancer, but your early morning bright sunlight is less toxic, less dangerous. And that is the time I would suggest that people actually go out and get bright light into their face. Go for an early morning walk, roll up the sleeves and uh, really walk fast with uh, bright light on your skin. And you'll notice that when you come back, you'll start to feel the change happening. Yeah, that sounds like an amazing... uh a suggestion right there and, and of course um, here at the breakfast show we get up pretty early we see the sunrise every morning pretty much which is Very um, true. which is a good thing and by the way they can by the way plug in their, their earphones and listen to the breakfast show while doing exercise yeah that, that, and this is one of the things we do one of the reasons why we cover positively different news here as well as the major stories is because too often we find that you know the major news outlets you know if it bleeds it leads and and if it doesn't bleed then there's not really much point in reporting it whereas uh, you know we have a whole section here which is just positively different news yep very true. Music plays a huge role as well in overcoming depression. Does it matter what kind of music? Yes, it does. It is the more, uh, the, the less strange, the more traditional music. In other words, composers like Bram Beethoven, Handel, uh, Raspisi, uh, Vivaldi. It, it is those more orchestral or your more traditional church hymns. That really, and, and by the way, research shows that you don't necessarily have to like it in order for it to work. One of the things I found interesting when it comes to taste is that your tastes can change based on what you decide. And so if you decide I'm going to listen to a certain kind of music over time, your taste will change to adapt to that. Are there types of music that will do the opposite? In other words, increase depression. I often run depression recovery programs, and in after one meeting, um, I was invited by a congregation to take the weekend service. And uh, so we invited the people to come along because I was going to talk on mental health issues from a Christian perspective. And uh, as the music started to play, some of the people that attended my program walked out so I walked out with them. It wasn't yet time for me to go up to the front. And I asked them the question. I said, what's happening for you? They said, uh, we start to feel anxious the moment that the music starts to play. Oh. So it's interesting that the more stranger, the more offbeat music, the more uh, where the beat is just faster than the heartbeat actually instills anxiety. That's fascinating. I would love yeah. to uh, ask a whole bunch more questions about that, David, but unfortunately we have now gone into uh, extra time again to have to finish up for the day. Maybe we can come have back and talk more day. about it uh, next week. Happy to do so. Fantastic. Have a day to you all. That was uh, David Haupt um, bringing us his weekly section on emotional health. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Welcome back, everybody. It is time for Question of the Day, otherwise known as Quad. It should be Quadded. Huh? Question Qu- of, oh, Quadded. But Quad. Qu- oh, yeah. Question of the Day time. Before we get into our Question of the Day, though, we have... A new quiz. No, we don't because somebody answered. We don't have time for a new one. Brilliant. Okay, so then we're going to have time for... 
Question of the day. Okay, the Bible says in the beginning, Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Mm-hmm. So does that mean that heaven did not exist before creation? You tell me, Lyle. All right, all right, all right. So does that mean that heaven did not exist before mm. creation? We looked at three heavens yesterday. The Bible speaks about three heavens. The Bible talks about Paul going up to the third heaven. So the Bible is very clear about this. And so the Bible speaks about the atmospheric heaven, mm. the starry heavens, and heaven, which is paradise. So when the Bible says in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, what was God creating? The earth and its atmosphere, the earth and the stars, hmm. or the earth and paradise? Well, don't we know that the stars came within that creation week, though? Okay, let me, let me continue on here. In John chapter 1 and verse 1, the Bible says, In the beginning, mm-hmm. once again the beginning, was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, the same was in the beginning with God, and all things were, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Yes. So does that then mean because in the beginning mm-hmm. was the Word and the Word made everything, that on the first day of creation the earth was made, the atmosphere was made, the stars were made, and heaven itself was made? Interesting mm. thoughts. Let me try and untangle this for you a little bit. And some translations will have, will have heavens here rather than just heaven. Okay, so we'll go back over to Genesis chapter 1, and this is what I'm going to put out there. I'm going to put out there that Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1 where the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Yep. I'm going to put it out there that what God has created on this particular day, because the Bible says in six days God created the heaven and the earth, the heaven that is being created is the atmosphere. Okay. This is a reference to the atmosphere. Now, I know that there are many of you who are going to jump up and down and say, well, what about you know the fourth day? You know, God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to to rule the night, he made the stars also. And they're going to say, well, you know, obviously that is the atmosphere and the starry heavens. All right. So let me uh, dig into this one a little bit better, a little bit further. I do not believe that the verse demands that the stars were made on that day. It says he made the two great lights on that day. The greater light to rule the day, the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also. Mm-hmm. In other words, just in case you're wondering who made the stars, that was God as well. Yes. But it's not demanding that he made them on that day. Uh, other than, of course, our sun, which is a great star. Yeah. Yeah, it's a star. I get that. Okay. Um, but the sun is, um, yeah, the sun is the greater light to rule the day and the moon is the lesser light that, that rules the night. Okay, now, then some people ask the question, okay, so, so here's what I'm putting out there. Heaven where God lives yep. predates our earth. Yes. I'm going to put out there that the stars also predate our earth. Oh. Because the Bible says mm-hmm. that Jesus was the one who made the worlds and the Bible speaks about those who live on those worlds. Yes. And those who were tempted by Satan on those worlds before the creation of this world. You find that in Isaiah chapter 14, etc. You who deceived the nations. Well, when it's talking about Lucifer, you know, when he first fell in heaven Mm. and there were no nations on earth. Okay, then you go to 
a number of other verses. Some people ask the question, they're like, okay, what about when the Bible speaks about the heavens? Because heaven where God lives is singular. And in the King James Version, Genesis 1 and verse 2, the Bible says, sorry, verse 1, in the beginning God created the heaven, singular. Other translators have the heavens. Right. So which one is more accurate? Okay, throughout the Bible, the word heavens, plural, is used to refer to the second heaven, that's the starry heavens, mm-hmm. and the first heaven. So, for instance, here there's a bunch of these verses. Your mercy, O Lord, is in the heavens and your faithfulness reaches to the clouds. That's po- poet poetry. And that is heavens, plural, and clouds being used synonymously. I'm not quite sure whether I've got to the end of this uh, whole question yet, <laughs> uh, but we're sort of getting a little bit closer. But on the first day, God created the atmospheric heavens. Interesting. Not paradise where God lives. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.